Okay, Murga, here we go. This is the NFT episode. This is indeed. You have probably heard of this in the news and some of your artist or investor friends talking about NFTs. So we decided to dedicate this episode to uncovering what are NFTs. And this past week, he can also wrote a newsletter on it titled WTFR NFTs, which, which received a lot of really positive response because Keegan, also, you uh, you wrote about your own opinion on them. And in this episode, we're going to talk about our opinions on NFTs as well as what they are if they were to exist in a vacuum devoid of our opinions. Yeah, right on. Is that covered all, Keegan? Yeah, the pros and cons. Yeah, perfect. Uh, here we go. Let's begin. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palwe, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. Cool. So Murga, I really like the way that you've been explaining NFTs to people when we get asked about them recently. So why, why don't you start us off with that Mona Lisa example? For sure. Um, so, okay, NFTs, right? First off, let's just uh, expand that acronym. And, uh, and then I'll give the Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa expansion of the definition. So NFT stands for non-fungible token. Right. And let's break fungibility down because that's kind of a weird word. Yeah. Fungibility is not something you'd hear in, at dinner conversations unless, unless you are an economist. Well, th- that's what it sounds like. Uh, you might hear in a dinner conversation in the context of mushrooms. Because like when I think fungibility... People, yeah, I like, think fungi. Yeah. People's brains go to fungi. but they're, Yeah. They're, fungibility is very different from fungi. Yeah. They have nothing to do with one another. So fungibility is essentially the property of something being not unique at all or being like everything else for that particular domain. And the way, the way I like to conceptualize that is dollars or pennies in, in circulation, right? So if I have a penny and you have a penny, uh, they're, they're, they're worth the exact same amount. Yes, they have different years on them. And you can get into circumstances where a penny from like 1920 is worth more than a penny from 2010, because the one from 1920 is rare. And so it's not fungible. Because yeah, that's not, not fungible anymore. Right. It's it's worth more, uh, but only because there's like secondary value attribution to it. But dollar bills and $5 bills, they're all fungible with one another. Yeah, to some degree, I would say, again, because dollar bills have serial numbers and uh, like, yes, you can still, if there's two dollar bills beside one another, you can still buy and use it for the same purpose of like purchasing something worth $5, but its uniqueness comes into play if one of the $5 bills is signed by one of the presidents of the of the United States of America, for example. Then right, Barack Obama signs a bill and suddenly that $5 bill, bill is like w- worth way more than just $5. Then it becomes non-fungible because then that particular bill is unique. Yeah, and that's kind of where non-fungible tokens come in because they're unique, uh, well, tokens. Uh, yeah, token just is something that represents something else on <laughs> in in digital reality in nft space most often these uh these non-fungible tokens represent a piece of art so a jpeg or a dot png or a or GIF. music for that matter yeah, exactly there's nfts that represent uh albums or individual songs uh there's all sorts of nfts coming at well there's tweets right jack dorsey and elon musk are uh nftifying their 
their tweets and selling them to people. Even, even videos for that matter, because the NBA Top Shot, yeah, um, like those small clips of Top Shots for from NBA highlights, games, highlights. Is what yeah. Okay, they can now be digitally represented uh, and represented on a blockchain and uh, can be tokenized and made into an NFT. So if you purchase that particular token that um, has the represents that particular top shot moment then now you were the proud owner of this digital moment of someone i don't know dunking a basketball that's exactly right and the whole question is okay great you you quote unquote own that moment is that valuable and why and who says so that's true so let's i'll actually give the mona lisa example now because you know why what what you know why are nfts blowing up in the first place so let's take an example of something that is non-fungible in physical reality mona lisa is a really good example of that because there's only ever going to be one original mona lisa painting now that painting currently is owned by some museum in europe um, I, I think so I, I, it might yeah. actually be like a private owner that yeah that's true like too. leases it or loans it to the museum of- never mind probably yeah okay so let, let's someone. just say let's just say that it's owned by someone so the mona lisa is currently owned by someone and there's only one original but there are so many pictures of mona lisa available uh, i mean if i went to Paris, I could get a magnet that has Mona Lisa's picture on it. That's and a good even if uh, even if someone was to take a really high definition picture of the Mona Lisa and print it in high digital high definition print or whatever, and put the two images side by side, uh, would would you be able to tell the original Mona Lisa from the fake Mona Lisa? For an art collector or someone who has an eye for some so, things like that, then they would be able to tell, okay, this is the original Mona Lisa and this is obviously a fake or this is a digital print. Um, and any art artists out there, I'm sorry if like printing is very <laughs> obvious of, of an image. Like, well, it you is can like the Mona, Mona Lisa, Lisa too. It's written or it's painted on canvas, right? right. So it's not just like a, a piece of paper with, with ink on it. It's an actual like the frame matters. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what frame it's in. So in the newsletter that I wrote about NFTs this week, I actually talked about the chain of custody. And that's kind of the thing uh, that you can check. But hang on. So So with respect to the Mona Lisa, there's one original and someone owns it. Now, when something is in physical reality, that's, you know, fairly easy to keep track of because there can only, you know, be one physical original item. When we talk about that in the digital space, when someone creates digital art, something that is so easily replicable and copyable, how can you attribute ownership to a digital piece of art? Ownership and originality. Yeah, ownership and originality. Where Where did that piece of art originate? What was the original copy of that song? Exactly. And that's where NFTs come in because the Mona Lisa is non-fungible. There's, it's unique. There's no other Mona Lisa painting that is... That is that, there's only one original. <laughs> yeah, there's like no more than one original. So it's a non-fungible painting. Now, with respect to something being represented on the digital space, an NFT or non-fungible token represents an original piece of art on the uh, in the digital space yeah and the other side of that is like you can maintain originality and physical reality pretty pretty easily like I, I literally just can't create objects two objects that are the same 
but I can create or I can just copy an image. Um, so there's a, a recent image that sold for $69 million. And I included that image in my newsletter because all I had to do was, was say copy image and then I pasted it in my newsletter. Why can I do that? Right. Well, it's because it's digital, um, but I don't get to say I own it. I, I will never get to say, well, you know, never say never. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that, that's the difference between um, having a picture of or a replica of the Mona Lisa painting in your um, apartment and saying, yeah, this is an, a replica of Mona Lisa, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Uh, and then like someone having the pride of saying, oh, this is the original Mona Lisa painting and I own it. So that's kind of where the ownership and originality in the digital space um like NFT is actually NFTs make the ownership and originality in the digital space possible. Yeah, that's true. And I'm actually going to push back against one of the things that you said when referring to the uh, the Mona Lisa example. And, and that was like, it's fairly easy to tell an original form of fake. Now, in like with respect to the Mona Lisa, that's probably true. But I happen to know that there's a lot of art fraud and forgery in the art space, right? right? And originality and providence, like where that thing originated, um, is actually pretty hard to tell in, in, in the art space for certain pieces and categories and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So like with something that is like, you can tie a physical piece of art to a blockchain record as well and maintain that chain of custody um, or maintaining chain of custody on in digital space, like a purely piece of digital art, that's really easy to do because the, the blockchain does that by default. Right, so we're we're talking about blockchain, and the reason why we're you know saying blockchain in this instance is because if there was a database, um, like Google Drive, for example, if you saved an image in Google Drive and um, said to someone, "Hey, I have this one image that I created on my computer. It's on Google Drive. Here, I'll just send it to you. I'll share it with you. I'll transfer quote unquote ownership of this image to you." There's like no one's going to count that as a, a token or a signature of ownership or transfer of ownership because it's on Google Drive. Now, this example can be expanded into anything else. It's If it's on any sort of database, then it's like there's really nothing that signifies the, the ownership of that piece of data. So we're talking about blockchains here because NFTs are blowing up because the originality of um, a, a piece of art can now be traced back to where it all began. That's what Keegan is talking about with respect to chain of custody because NFTs originate and live on a blockchain. And a blockchain just records uh, who owned what and when uh, in order of who owned it and when. Yeah, and properly decentralized blockchains are immutable as well. So uh, in quotes, immutable Yeah, as so well. that chain of custody is permanent. So even if a chain of custody was maintained with a piece of art and physical reality, if it was maintained in pencil, which you know I'm sure they did that like years and years and years ago, um, then it's it would be easy to change, right? I, I could forge the chain of custody and I could convince someone that this fake was actually um, is actually the real one and, and make millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. So um, the, the trust factor that counts um, in this particular case of an NFT is um, the reliance that the blockchain is um, keeping track of where this originated and keeping track of the chain of custody, who owned it before me and the fact that I own it now because my digital signature from my wallet that represents this NFT is the same as the one that the blockchain says it is. Right. So I guess the, the next question really is, is that even valuable? Like why? Here's an example um, or one problem that I have with NFTs is that 
once you mint an NFT, there's there's thousands of these blockchain platforms out there, by the way, right? They're all, the most of the NFT activity is taking place on something called Ethereum. And we discussed Ethereum in the previous episode. Yeah, it was episode 50. Yeah, right. It was. And that's where most of this NFT activity is taking place. But what happens if Ethereum blows up? Or what happens if I want to start using Cardano instead or one of these other platforms? I can't transfer that NFT to another platform. And so it's bound to that. It's completely reliant on that. That's where its chain of custody is. And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I, I don't necessarily know whether or not it's it's either. It's just a factor. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Murga? Right on. Well, with respect to any digital space, like the base layer um, or the base, the, the foundational layer is the internet. So if tomorrow the internet, <laughs> we don't have access to it, then you're, and we don't have access to it for a really long time, then anything digital is non-existent altogether. Right, we've got bigger problems at that point. Yeah, that's true. Well, and then the second from the foundation layer is like you said okay what is it on if if it's on the ethereum blockchain if the for whatever reason the ethereum blockchain fails actually there's a couple of reasons that it could or could not um but let, let's just assume that it did then the the ownership aspect of it goes down with it so kind of like if the piece of paper that signified that the mona lisa was last owned by person xyz if that gets Ruined or destroyed in some way, then you've lost the chain of custody. The chain of custody of who owned something in physical space, and like if the Mona Lisa also gets drowned or destroyed at that point, or you know whatever original piece of art, then that's gone too. Um, so yeah, there's no way to bring back that uh, that Mona Lisa. But the NFT space is a little different, right? Because let's just say Ethereum does blow up, but we we still have the like the last state that Ethereum was in, and that's we, true in a database somewhere. We could reboot it if we really needed to. Uh, so, I mean, that's actually a pro for Ethereum and, and all blockchains, because right? Because that's all digital. Right, if they blow up, we can reboot it. And who knows what the the implications of that might be? That spins off into a number of different tangents and conversations. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I think bottom line is it's still recoverable in some way, shape or form. I just don't know what it means. And and therefore it's, it's an uncertainty for me with respect to minting tokens on any platform, whether it be Binance Smart Chain or Ethereum or, or Cardano or anything. Uh, it's still confined. And I'd like to see more blockchains talking with one another, like inter-blockchain communication is what it's called and more collaborab collaborability. Is that a word? Collaborative. Collaboration. <laughs> collaboration. There you go. <laughs> more collaboration between these blockchains. That would I'd, I'd love to see that. Just for the safekeeping of the digital assets is what you mean? Well, there's so many things that interoperability between blockchains can solve, though. Right. I, I think what I'm saying is I would love some assurance that my NFT is not confined to this one network. Yeah. Right. It'd be like if that my my Mona Lisa was only valuable in France. Can you imagine if all the other countries in the world didn't recognize it as valuable? Uh, and maybe like, let's take a different example. Like I am an artist for, like, let's just say I'm an artist and I sell this painting to this museum, but it's only valuable in that one museum, right? That's like your NFT is well, worth nothing to Bitcoin. Someone Bitcoin can, doesn't know about your NFT. Yeah, but someone can say that that's um, 
That's a great factor. The factor that it is local to a particular location, at least in physical space. Yeah, because then you have to travel all the way to that one spot where you can see it. Well, in physical reality, that's actually that's so when traveling was possible. There's there is an artist that uh, is buying NFTs and they're putting them in their virtual reality museum. Oh, that's cool. So you can view the NFT on your um, on your computer as like a JPEG or a GIF. But the only place you can ver- uh, view it as like a virtual reality item that you can like walk around and whatnot right. is in is in this particular the owners that just changes for, art altogether because then True. art art isn't flat on well like, <laughs> on your screen. I don't know. What I was gonna say it kind of is, but there's like movement in in three D art, even if it is one dimensional when you look at it on the screen. But in virtual reality, this movement can be generated into three dimensional. Um, pieces so imagine like a a virtual sculpture being able to move and talk and that's a piece of art that is represented on an nft like a gif in three dimensions or on it on a t if you've if if our listeners have if you get the chance to ever go on to vive htc5 and something called google tilt brush it's it's pretty incredible you can make these art pieces that we're speaking about here and it's uh it's pretty wild stuff yeah, so let's talk about what this means for the artist, or well, whether or not this is valuable. Yeah, that so is the next kind of conversation things. I want to have. And what I wrote in the newsletter is that like beauty value is in the eye of the beholder. So it's not really fair for us to judge whether or not that $69.3 million JPEG image is worth that amount. Someone paid for it, and therefore they think it's worth that amount. And the artist benefits from it. So who are we to sit here and say that that's not a good use of money? Uh, that seemed like a mutually agreed upon transaction. Yeah, but that's such an interesting argument because, I mean, we can sit here and judge whatever <laughs> we want, but it's not going to make any, any difference. difference to the thing that is being judged if um, if it like it will continue to carry on without any impact from our judgment. Right. So like that's it's funny that you say, who are we to judge? Also speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> but where was that coming from? Like, what what, what made you say well, that? Values in the eye of the beholder. Right, okay. Yeah. So I, I understand. So something of a nuanced argument can also be made uh, to state that, okay, cool. Um, you can represent a piece of art, a piece of original art, and attribute its ownership to somebody who pays for it on the blockchain and it's digital and all of that that's fine but can that same person also that same piece of art also be represented on instagram and can it be in google search images when you search for the most expensive nft ever sold or can i order it as a print and like have it framed and is get it still, shopify to ship it to me or something yeah is it copyable still is it replicable still and the answer to th- this question is some of the nfts that um, have been sold the yes. exist yeah outside of the the ownership that is now attributed to the person that bought it so what does that mean if if something <laughs> is so replicable it's because it's it's digital still so if something that is digital is still replicable is still copyable and it's still available to the people that didn't pay for it then how much is that ownership worth so i think from the artist's perspective it's worth quite a lot because that's true. Well, the, that's the second part of value because what NFTs have done is given an artist the ability to get a hundred percent of yes. 
the cut of selling their art to someone. And then recurring revenue as well. So there's some NFTs where as they're traded around or as they're sold to different people, a, a certain percentage of every time it gets sold, let's say it gets sold for $100, then $200, then $300, they get the initial $100. And then let's say they get 1% of the $200 transaction. So they get an extra $2 and then an extra $3. And that, that piece of art becomes a piece of passive income for them now, which that's just basically unheard of in the, in the art space. Right? right on, yeah. And so for artists, this is actually extremely beneficial. Um, art and extremely valuable too, to be able to sell what they produce and create for, for money in order to actually have an, an income of some sort. Yeah, so what you have is a bunch of these crypto rich individuals buying up these uh, rare, quote unquote, rare NFTs, whether it's NBA top shots or just uh, gifts and images that uh, that these artists are creating and they're able to <laughs> live a pretty, uh, pretty fruitful life. I don't think it's a rarity. Like, I, I just I, I, if it's digital, I just don't see how it's rare. Because uh, like, where does the what, where does the something token that's that represents being rare come in like the represents the ownership it's unique. is rare well it's unique but i wouldn't say it's it's rare well, because I mean, it's copyable you can have different kinds of nfts though like you can create a hundred copies of something and i suppose each one well it would have an id right it's this exact same image but it's id one id 42 id 73 and those are three copies of the hundred of them that were created. Maybe there's a small tweak in each image or maybe there's no tweak, but they're still unique and distinct because that ha they have that unique identifier on them. And yeah, but that doesn't make them rare. It does make them rare because there's only a hundred of them. Yes. And a hundred is a low number, all things considered. Cool, so I can see from one perspective, because there's only a hundred of these pieces created at all, then they're rare, but if they're digital and they still can be replicated, then I, I still, I don't understand how that can be considered rare. Right. I agree though with, with what you just said as well, because the artists that minted the first hundred of these, they, they still have the ability to mint a, another hundred if they wanted. So all the people that bought the first hundred, yeah, it's are not they, like they were destroyed. Exactly. Are, are they after. Uh, trusting the artist not to make another hundred? Or another thousand of them but that's only for the rarity aspect of it right like the yeah. artist probably still has the original copy of anything that is digital and um it's the ownership aspect of it that people are buying into or that is that is selling or that is the hype right now <laughs> in the market is oh i have ownership over digital art that's cool i do think that the, the hype around this is partially due to to the fact that it's all new and it's not very well understood. Correct. Yeah. The, the, right. It's a speculation tool it, because it's not very well understood. There's you've got some people selling NFTs at $5,000 a pop, and then you've got other people selling NFTs at $2 million a pop. Right. And that's that's weird. That dichotomy, what makes one that much more valuable, quote unquote, than the other? And it's, Oh, it, but that again, it's in the eye of the beholder because even i mean even normal physical art pieces that are blank canvas and a red dot have sold <laughs> for a lot of money and i don't get that because i don't get art in general <laughs> if i'm looking you. at a piece of <laughs> canvas blank canvas with like i, I don't get abstract art you know I what is say. art though like in objectively is like good architecture how many people do you know that could look at a piece of good architecture and be like, oh yeah, that's not art. 
Oh, I was thinking about this the other day. Okay, ready for this? Bitcoin, the, just the existence of Bitcoin is an NFT in and of itself. It is a, it's a unique occurrence in history in general. It's not a T. It's not a token. Yeah, you're right. Just <laughs> Bitcoin is non-fungible with itself. It is a unique occurrence. Small tangent. Let's, let's get back to Ethereum. <laughs> we weren't talking about Ethereum. We we're talking about NFTs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it has proved to be pretty lucrative for artists to be able to sell their art on a digital platform without any third party necessarily taking a cut. Um, in order to upload some of this art, you do need to pay a fee to the network itself, again, depending on where you do put up this art. Um, but yeah, that's one of the value propositions of NFTs are artists get to make money off of it, which is great because historically, Wait, no, I don't know if I can say historically. I'm not sure how rich the... I'll say it anyway. No, I'll see if, if okay, my well, historically says no. <laughs> artists have Well, historically, artists get less and less money from what they produce because there's so many people between their art and themselves. Yeah, and that's also... I also think it's a Pareto distribution sort of thing. I don't remember where I heard this, but it's something like uh, 99% of the artists receive sorry one percent of the top like it's one of the instances where uh, what the best one percent artist gets 99 percent of the attention it's like actors mm. right you've got you've got tons and tons of actors but we seem to focus on like the top 100 best actors in the world right and that's where we put all of our attention and that's for celebrities and this is kind of the same with the art world like you've got like the the top top artists and then uh, like a ton of it's the long tail what am I going for here? I'm not sure. No, <laughs> but, <okay. laughs> but that happens with Bitcoin too. Like Bitcoin's the number one cryptocurrency on a lot of markets because of the amount of people that are trading it and buying it. Um, and like there's thousands of other cryptocurrencies, but we only focus on the top 10. True. Yeah, we have a kind of a natural tendency to focus on uh, the best of the best. Because it's best performing. But what, what were you getting at? Not sure. Okay. It's just something that I thought of <laughs> that I thought was relevant. Could be that it's not. All right. Uh... A couple more things about NFTs. All right. So they're actually can represent video game items as well. And I really like this use case. I do like that use case too. Yeah. So imagine, imagine you could have a sword uh, and that can be used in two different games. So the sword is an NFT in and of itself. And it was minted uh, and you bought it. And then you can carry that sword into this one game that you play and you let's say you slay a dragon and then that sword becomes imbued with dragon slayer status you get plus one attack in that game well you can take that same sword into a different game and maybe that dragon slayer status that has been uh, ascribed to that nft and forever carried on it uh, does a different effect in game two or game three or game four so we can build an ecosystem of games around the items and the items can be sold, bought and sold on secondary marketplaces. Their uniqueness is defined on, uh, based on their origin, but based also based on what characters did what, what with it and when, right? So as the NFT sword is passed around, it becomes like some epic sword that's been on many quests. And you can go back and view the quests. That, that's this the journey of this sword rather than just the journey of the character um, that, uh, I don't know, just the character. Anyway, I got excited. Yeah, yeah. It, well, the use case of NFTs in games is it is pretty exciting because that chain of custody can add value to the object in right. and of itself. So that's 
pretty cool. I actually haven't heard of many games doing that. I, I think it exists. It exists, but it, I guess there's, there isn't enough hype around it, which is right. why it hasn't come into mainstream media yet. Um, the, the majority the last... of the hype is around Top Shot and Crypto Kitties and so- Cyberpunks and Beeple. Yeah. yeah, the Beeple is the artist that sold one of their pieces for... 69.3 million. Oh, 65. No. Okay. Um, Do you know what it was, though? It was really interesting. So Beeple has been posting an image online every day for the last 5,000 days. And so the the piece that this person sold is just a collage of these 5,000 images, which is really interesting. Uh, well, like because let's just say for the first 4,900 days, like Beeple only started blowing up, what was it, three or four months ago that his name started to get passed around quite uh, quite heavily. <laughs> so for the first 4,900 days, uh, he probably didn't know that that piece was going to go on and net him six, or that thing that he was doing every single day was going to net him $69.3 million. Crazy stuff. This is true. Um, the Something that I wanted to bring up was NFTs were hyped two, three years ago too, in 2017. You must have heard of something called CryptoKitties. Right. And that's where if one crypto, one one kitty. Oh, that sounds really, really strange. One cat and another cat. One digital cat. One digital cat and another digital cat. If they had a, a child cat. Yeah, you can breed your crypto kitties. <laughs> okay, is what there Ruger's we go. Trying to say. <laughs> and then they would produce another uh, non-fungible kitty. Because the, 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 <laughs> the new kitty would have um, traits from its parent cats yeah exactly so that one, were unique one cat might have had like albert einstein hair and then another cat would have a cowboy hat a cowboy hat cat and <laughs> and then when you breed those cats you've got an albert einstein with a cowboy hat and there's a market around this because you know owning these unique cats was was cool it was really cool to do unique yeah yes um, so yeah, we heard about NFTs in 2017. They, they blew up quite a bit then too. And now again, um, because of the current bull run that we are experiencing. So there we go. I'm That's- personally really excited to see where NFTs go. Yeah, I'm. once all the hype clears out, because the hype tends to fog up the actual value proposition of That's anything. That's what I wrote in my newsletter. Oh, yeah. cool. That's what I said. I said, I'm going to wait for the dust to settle. And then we're going to take a look. Yeah. We're going to see what's there. So whatever's left after the death, uh, the dust settles is probably what is going to become <laughs> the death. The death, the death of NFTs. Yeah. Well, the dust settled in 2017, and we and Bitcoin just, remains. Well, with respect to NFTs. Keith. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, I guess there was more development, so now it is here again, and uh, I guess with more, um, with more utility than before, because in 2017 it was cats. <laughs> digital cats and now it's for video artists game items and- uh, video games items and artists as well so Take thank you yeah for sure so thank you everyone for listening if you have any questions comments or even just thoughts that you want to share with us about our opinion on nfts as well as what we've talked about and shared with you about what we perceive nfts as please share them with us we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear your thoughts more so and we just also love to hear from people that are interested in crypto from all around the world so thank you everyone for tuning in and talk to you next time